Hey, this is Green Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wee and Kelly McVeigh, now part of the Digiton Network. How's it going, guys? Hope you are doing well this Christmas season. Before you get started, uh, check the show notes, become part of the family. We are growing and we would love to take you along with us. Check it out there and we will send you all the good stuff. Um, and today, this is our last pod of 2023. I can't believe it. And we have our resident spiritual leader, Josh Pennington of More Life Church. He is here for the second Christmas in a row to, oh, and Bean is here too, to give us guidance for this very tricky holiday season. It's always pretty uh, stressful and full of anxiety for a lot of us. Traveling, buying gifts, affording gifts, family. Yeah, you're going to get gifts too? Mm-hmm. Um, navigating family stuff, navigating the stress of um, just planning stuff. And this is a happy season, but it, it can be very complex. So he's here to... Oh, he, she wants to tell you guys that she has hiccups. Are you okay, though, Bean? I thought you didn't want to be a part of this intro. I guess you changed your mind. Um, so he's here to give us some guidance and, and give us uh, some peace. Um, and give us our annual Christmas blessing. All right, guys, let's get started. Okay, so hello, Greener Grass listeners. This is a special holiday um, present to all of you, I think, because this is our third time having Josh Pennington. And I want to say, so first of all, the guests we've had the most on the podcast, we haven't had anyone three times. We've had maybe two people a couple times, but such a big deal and an honor for us. You know, when Carrie and I were kind of plotting and planning the end of our year and how we would lay out the last few guests, we both said, we wish we could have Josh on because it just feels like such the right way for us to end our year. And we get so many comments and um, things back from all of you of how much you love Josh, Josh as a guest. And it just feels like the right way to end our year. So I reached out to Josh, hopeful, because he's giving of his time, he's giving of his energy, his gift that he gives to the world every day to More Life Church, his church. Um, But the fact that he said yes to us and said that he would join Greener Grass again was such a treat. I was so excited to text Carrie and say, he said yes, just because, you know, us asking um, people to come on as a guest is a big deal. So Josh, thank you so much for coming to Greener Grass once again. It's really cool to be here again. Thank you for the invite. Three. That's Three. a big, big, thank you guys. Thank Three. you. Three. Invite. Amazing. So- Josh, for the most part, a lot of our listeners um, know you, but we we do have new listeners that come on. Could you give just a little um, a little intro? Who's Josh end of 2023? Because I think all three of us as humans are people that continue to like grow and develop and partially mature, but coming into who we are meant to be in this world. So maybe even from last year, like your identity, the the core of who you are I'm sure is the same but like who who are you today give us a little intro well I got to start with pops because my oldest son and daughter-in-law made me a grandfather and uh baby Charlie will be one year old tomorrow so Uh, leading edge of the new season I was made a grandpa at 45 and it was like the best day of my life uh so I haven't had a bad day since Charlie's been born. I don't know how to have a bad day now. So that's really shaping who I am. Um, And I think the reason it is and connected to that is everything has slowed down for me. Like we have four children, uh, 24, 24, 22, and 21. So we had four kids in 35 and a half months, which means for two weeks, we had four, three and under. That's Every female listening will instinctively understand that insanity. Um, but with there, so everything was fast. And I feel like right now everything is slowed down. And it's almost a chance to love your kids again in more in a more controlled environment on our terms. Whereas 
when we were parenting, life is happening to you and you're just reacting, you know, and this is just way, way better. And so I feel like that is indicative of all of life for me right now. This version of me is under control, at a good rhythm, and it's really, really enjoy. It's very, it's very much, I'm very much enjoying it. I love this. I mean, listen, I Carrie's far off from being a grandparent, but I have my son's getting married this year. You know what I mean? My daughter's old. Like I, I see those times coming for me. And I love that that's how you feel it's changed you. And I love that you haven't had a bad day since Charlie's been born. So I've watched you on, cause I follow you on social, you know, I've watched that develop and your pops. I love that you chose pops as the name one years old, one, one year old. Does it feel weird to watch your children parent? Uh, not, not weird, rewarding rewarding because um, I'm able to watch and see what Ange and I did that we tried to do that worked and yes. see them living out of all of those years of investment so like for all the listeners who are in the throes of that early childhood development like just stay the course be consistent follow your intuition and you'll get to see the results of it at some point in the future and that's uh, that's been very, very rewarding, very rewarding to see them kind of like, you know, fly on their own. It's cool. It's very cool. I love that rewarding is the word that you're choosing. Carrie, did you, I feel like you want to yeah, say Yeah, I just, like, I, I've got a four-year-old now and you yeah. just, you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, zero idea what I'm doing. It doesn't really matter what the websites say and like childhood development because every kid is different. Yeah, I just feel like I'm guessing all the time. And I wish I didn't feel that way, you know? Oh, well, I mean, I've, I have felt that way, but everyone is guessing because no one knows what in the heck they're doing. It's like the first time you're doing it and whenever I've spoken to parents that are navigating a season that I've kind of already journeyed through, trust your instincts. It's your, it's your child. You made the human. There's some kind of DNA, but also some emotional, spiritual connection that's there that you can't find a rule book for. Um, some of the some of the most consistent advice I give is. Ignore everyone else and trust your intuition. Like, do your thing. It'll work. It really will work. Um, it, it's it's it is a guessing game, and we're all winging it. And the people who are so dogmatic about knowing how to do it, I generally have um, a distrust for them <laughs> because it, um, my wife says this. If parenting is easy, you're doing it wrong. Yes. It's not easy. It's not, it's totally not easy. And anyone who might say, hey, follow these three easy steps. They're just trying to sell you a product or an idea or mm -hmm. something that doesn't work. It just doesn't. It's, it's hard, hard freaking work. My question, Josh, is I know there's so much um, anxiety out there. Mm. people are stressed about how to afford things oh gosh yeah yeah there's so much anxiety and i share that so if you have if you want to just give us some peace about that at this okay. christmas season i don't know if you have any thoughts on that i'm gonna mute myself yeah i do have some thoughts um they probably won't be very popular like <laughs> probably like okay with all that off they'll probably log off um because i think a lot of the stress there is external but there's also internal like self-imposed and you know feeling that now i'm not talking about the 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 idea of how expensive everything is i mean we just ordered wings and some fries and brought it home yesterday for three of us and it was like 65 dollars. so like I, I like we can't control that part but like at the holiday season, I think there's some self-imposed stress. 
And um, a few years ago, we started a tradition, which is kind of goofy, where we went through people's closets in our room and the stuff that still had tags on it that had never been worn, that we had per had been purchased for them prior, we secretly stole it out of the room and re and rewrapped it. <laughs> like yeah. that's just like a reminder of it's not about that stuff. It's not about that um the things. And we just had a big time with it. And it was like it was just like really rewarding and it brought a lot of joy and a reminder um of that. But you know, the cost of oh my gosh travel and things and stuff um we we put so much pressure on ourselves too to keep up and live up to some unrealistic expectation that you know our kids really aren't going to remember that thing really three years from now now i'm not saying we shouldn't be thoughtful in our gift giving but if it's adding stress, I do this little exercise, Carrie, where I'm like, okay, what if I take this thing off of my plate? Like that's in front of me, that's causing me the stress and it's optional, right? What if I take it off and like say, okay, I, I, I excuse myself from the responsibility of doing this task. And then I pay attention to internal and like, how does that feel? If it feels good and I get relief, then I just give myself permission to eliminate that thing, that task, that whatever. And um, we we make optional things mandatory. And I think that's where stress starts for me. It's something that isn't mandatory. I make it mandatory. Um, I don't know if that's really a great answer, uh, Carrie, but that's like the first thing that pops in my mind as a response to your question. So this kind of goes with something, and and I was thinking about this when you were talking. I mean, I see you as someone that is super driven, who um, pushes themselves to be, you know, um, live and do things in the best way possible. You like to show up for others in an incredible way. And something that I've been thinking about for my 2024 is I'm super goal-oriented, I have like a list of all the things I need to do every week, every month, every year. And I started thinking about the fact that like at the end of October, I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't fish finished my book for the month. And I was like in this like mad furious thing to like finish this book. And then I have to work out every day. And all of a sudden I was like, you know, all these things bring me joy. Like I love reading. Like I love going and working out. Those are two things that I love that bring joy in my life. But I'm putting this imposed pressure on myself that like, oh, it's a goal and that I have to like finish it instead of just doing it because I love it and enjoy it. And even if I do want to be a reader and be someone like sometimes I think I create the feeling about it and I'm like, I'm not like I'm not loving reading this book right now because I'm forcing myself to read it because I have to finish it before the end of October. So I feel like I wondered for you, like you are, I think, someone that is like goal oriented or do those things. And I even love you going back to that your pops now and that the rhythm of life has changed and things feel slower. And that probably won't feel that way for Carrie for a little bit. Right. Let's be honest. Yeah. Carrie's not going to feel that way. But I do agree that we we put those things on ourselves and and I'm going to try to attempt even though I am very driven and goal oriented to remember where the joy is in all the things that I'm doing, because a lot of the time, the things I'm doing that I'm putting on my list are things I want to do, but I'm taking, I'm zapping the joy out of them. <laughs> I don't know um, if that makes sense. How do no, you no, it makes, it, it makes things? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And so like um, joining that question with, with Carrie's, um, there's a phrase that's really important to me that, especially at this holiday season, to have an increase of joy and, and a reduction of the pressure and the stress yeah. is I'm very mindful to emphasize connection over perfection. Meaning that I have a tendency to set up this like 
thing in my mind that I want it this way and this will be the perfect outcome. And in the process of doing that perfect outcome, I lose connection with my family, the world, and most importantly, myself. So like what's making me feel a sense of connection? Because when I'm connected to those things, the environments, the people, that's when the joy is really increased for me. You know, like, why am I doing it? And is it just this arbitrary segmented thing? Or do I feel like connection? Is it like, am I plugged in? Am I, am I, you know, um, am I feeling that? And I would encourage everybody that's listening that like, rather than striving for the perfect holiday setup, pay attention to your connectedness to what's going on around you. Like pausing to look at the lights on the tree and reflecting and just being quiet. And when you have, when you have little ones in your, in your home, like one of the things we've done this week is we've made it a point a couple of times to sit down together, have a meal. We light a candle and we just express gratitude for what is rather than what isn't. And I think that chasing what isn't makes me feel stress it, and yeah. it makes me feel disconnected. So I love all of that. And I love the saying like what chasing what is instead of what not chasing even, but being grateful for what is and not looking for what isn't. I think that's like something people should do intentionally on the daily. And I think that's probably reflective of the holiday season. So as a pastor, pastor, because I think this kind of goes back to probably where uh, Carrie's mind was when she asked her question. Do you feel like, because I do think the holiday seasons are a time that, you know, people that go to church, well, they, there's probably a greater attendance of church. I feel like people come together. There is more connection. Do you feel that joy and gratefulness? Or do you feel like Carrie mentioned like, you know, money right now, but I also think we're like going into, and we're and not talking about politics in general, but yeah. like, Politics is coming around again, and that has has created a space in our in the U.S. where there's divide, and that's coming resurfacing again. I think in a big way, and then you know everything, even from a, a war perspective. Do you feel those heavy burdens with your congregation, or do you feel like there is a space where people are coming together to connect and be grateful and find joy in one another? Or is it a combination of both? Like, I just think you are probably someone that your congregation leans into in all ways when their hearts feel heavy. Do you feel like that's starting to happen right now because of the space of things going on in the world? Or do you feel like people are grateful and joyful and showing up because it's what they need for their hearts? That's a lot. That's a lot. Um <laughs> I think my style and approach is to make provision for both of those very different things to live inside of the same human being. Yes. I've just gotten really comfortable with the contradictions yes. that joy and sorrow can live in the same soul at the same time. Um, joy and stress can live inside of the same soul at the same time. It isn't a one or one or the other is just wrestling with that dichotomy, with that conflict that is inside of all of us. And I think that's what makes life beautiful. Now, I, I don't love the sorrow stuff at all. Yeah. But both of the like I don't I don't think that I have to I can only be happy or sad and only experience one. Like joy isn't the absence of sorrow. Like I can be joyful in the midst of that sorrow and there can be a sorrow there, which still has some joy. And it's a very hard thing to describe. And I, I don't think it's just people who are going to church. I think it's the whole world having to choose and feeling like it's either or when I think there's a third option, which is both exist. Right. And that's okay that both exist 
I don't think that's ever going to change. Um, I'm not postponing my joy until there are no stressful circumstances in my life or else I'll never get to joy. I love saying really being really comfortable with contradictions. Like I love that sentence. So you should use that as a Josh Pennington quote on your okay. <laughs> really comfortable with contradictions because I do agree. I mean, I even think myself, I tend to be, tend to find the glass half full and tend to push happiness I've been told this sometimes, like, listen, it's okay for me to be just be sad right now. Like I want everyone around me to be happy. And if someone's feeling down, I'm like, how can we change this? We got to make this person. And, and Jeff, my partner, he has said like, it's okay for me to have a shitty day. Like, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, just let me sit in my shit for a minute. Like, it's not like I'm going to not be okay in 20 minutes, but like, you can let me be okay in this. And so I think that's like something I've worked on for myself that I think is important that I didn't realize about myself that I'm like constantly trying to make people happy and it's okay for people to be where the space they're in. But I also think it's good for me to recognize that people can feel both things. People can be super excited for Christmas and be grateful and purchase presents and all the things and still look at Israel and the Gaza Strip and think, gosh, that's heavy. And I feel sad about yeah, that. Awful, I hate that that's awful. happening. Yeah. But I think I think it's a good reminder that we can be in both spaces. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. It is it is it is that, and um, a lot of people deal with grief, especially at this time of year. And I used to be like anti-grief personally. Felt like it was some form of weakness. Was very uncomfortable. We've discussed this, you know, I lost my, I lost my mom when I was young. She was young. I was 33. She was almost 57. And I kind of had a shift in thinking where it came to the point where I realized grief, sorrow, anything that we would label as negative or unwanted is only there and can only exist because something we love existed first. So the grief for me became the reminder that my mom's life mattered and I wouldn't be experiencing this pain had I not had her in my life. And so when we experience those, whatever we label as negative, and I don't, I don't know if that's a great way to label them or not. To me, it's the reminder that something happened upstream of that, that we're grateful for. And kind of back to both of those things, but you and Carrie were asking Gratitude being expressed for me reduce it is is one way to reduce stress in a practical way. What am I grateful for? What is in my world that I'm that I'm glad is here and that is a blessing to me? And list those things and just yeah. like have a gratitude list over and over. And I found that gratitude swallows up stress. Um, it doesn't solve it long term but it loosens its grip on me so i can so i can get my mind back where it needs to be because stress for me just makes everything foggy um yeah like there's three things that i think are enemies that are attached to stress um fog fatigue and flirtation so when i'm stressed my whole world becomes foggy i get tired internally and externally and I start flirting with ideas that I never would have fl flirted with before. Like, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not deserving. All those things are the result of the erosion of us first having clarity, then us being tired. No one's at their best when they're tired or in pain. And so gratitude clears that fog for me. I have a little exercise that... Um, whenever I'm ready to quit, um, I've written multiple um, resignation letters in my life. Okay. And I, I, <laughs> have you all ever done that? Have you ever written a resignation no, I love letter? This. No, I love that as an exercise. Like if I really want to quit something, like to, to actually write the letter and see how I feel after, that's amazing. I do two things. I write the letter 
And then I have a file. I'm getting ready to move offices, so I don't, I, I, I can't show it to you. But I have this ever-growing file that's my gratitude file. And any note, email, card, scrap of paper that someone has given to me, I've kept for the last 20 years. And it's in a file. And I start reading them one by one. And I've made an agreement with myself. If I ever get to the end of the file, having read everything that's in there and still want to quit, then I'll turn in my resignation letter. But I've I never gotten that. I've never gotten through the file. So it just I, gratitude swallows up so much. It just swallows up so much for me. Yes. So listen, I um <laughs> my, my I wish y'all could see I wish y'all could see Carrie's face. Carrie's like really <laughs> processing. I can I can <laughs> Okay. I can see like, okay, sorry Kelly, can I like, jump? I, I like jump the in quitting. Really quick? I really love the quitting part, but I'm not so <laughs> sure about that second thing, dude. <laughs> so so Kelly and I are both moms and we're both teachers. Yeah. So uh -huh. there's a certain amount of people who depend on us mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, financially. Yeah. And it already seems like a lot for me. I cannot imagine having a congregation and their needs being on you all the time. Like, how do you, I mean, maybe if you're able to, to explain to us how you do it, maybe I can do mine better knowing that it's less because you are a pastor. How big is your congregation? Oh, uh, in person, I should what? say, say that again, in person congregation. I don't know if you have an online congregation as well. We, we have, we have both online and in person We're we're probably 12, 1500. Yeah, that's a lot. That, that's, that's a, that's a big congregation. It's, yeah, it, um, so I know that all the listeners don't come from the same background as me, but there's a text in, in the Bible where Paul is writing about his stress load. And he lists all these things that have ganged up on him emotionally, and he finishes with, and on top of that, all of the care of the church, which to me frames what you're saying, like, there is a there is an emotional external weight to that and everyone experiences it the way that i've found best to manage that is to get very clear on what is my task and what is not my task <laughs> and parenting is a really beautiful metaphor for what i do as a pastor it's helping someone grow. It's getting them ready for whatever's next. And as each of our kids grow, they assume more and more responsibility. And so their tasks become more and my tasks become lesser. Like my job as a parent is to move my children from the liability column to the asset column. Like that, that's, that's my job. That's awesome. Some kids never get to the that, asset column, I feel like, but yeah, well, I don't, don't my, that's terrible. That's very negative, but. Oh, you're right. You're right. And you're right. And this will be an unpopular thing to say, but like the heavier weight of onus of responsibility for that. I'm not getting there as a parent who isn't clear on their task. Mm. And when the, when the parent gets clear on their task, I have four. Three of them are in the asset column, column. One of them are in the liability column still. And I've told them once they're all in the asset column, they have five years to put a green box under my Christmas tree that has a really nice watch in it. Like four of them can afford it for me. Like, that's when I will have arrived. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's wild, but like, their their tasks become more and more, right? Um, their their responsibilities become more and more. And it's my fault if I do their task when they're capable of it. Oh, Kelly, we've talked about this. I gotta write this. I've been taking notes the whole no, time. And you know what? Now I'm doing it like my bean is four. Like, why am I putting her underwear on for her? Good question. <laughs> And it, and, and, and it isn't meant to, this isn't meant to be, um, 
this isn't meant to be overly direct, but it could be because you need to do it for you to still feel needed in that space. Okay, let me pause, let me mute so she yeah. because she she knows we're talking about her. Okay. Hi, Bean. <laughs> I love the concept of this. I I mean tasks when why are we doing the tasks when when they can do it themselves? I I could make a list of things that I I think it's because I'm a giver, but giving I do this at my job too. I do things when they text me and say like, hey, and I could say, hey, that's in our resource center. Or, hey, you should send a support ticket into customer care. And I do things for other people. But really, the gift is giving them the tasks so they can grow and develop and be empowered to do all these things themselves. I'm the worst. This is the, this is the, this is <laughs> Kelly McVeigh right here. This is? Like, so, like, yeah. I had a really amazing moment um, when my kids were, uh, our oldest kids were teenagers. And they're like, what is there to eat? Every parent has been asked this question. Go look. It, look in the refrigerator. There's nothing in the refrigerator. Bullcrap. I just spent $300 on groceries. <laughs> what, right. What, what they mean is there's nothing prepackaged that takes no work and effort for me to consume and enjoy. There's all kinds of ingredients. I'm like, hey, if you take this plus this and this, mix it up, put it in the oven for 45 minutes, it turns into that, Right. And so the one time, the one time they said this, they're like, um, I want a sandwich. And I'm like, good idea. I do too. Make you one and make me one while you're at it. And it totally changed my life because they were like, what? I'm like, they're like, we've never done that before. And I'm like, you won't be able to say that in five minutes from now because you will have done it. And it, it's a great thing to let kids like explore and make and do like, we're always serving them, but if we never flip that and give them the opportunity to serve us, they'll think the whole world is meant to be there for them, and it's not. They're going to go out into the real world, and the real world is going to punch them in the mouth, and they're going to be like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Probably because we didn't get them ready for that. So now we'll, we'll bring things home. We've always brought food home. Now my kids will say, hey, we're at such and such. Can I get you anything? Yeah. You know how great of a day it is when your kids bring you home Jimmy John's and they pay for it. <laughs> That's amazing. It's awesome. It's yeah. freaking awesome. Um, but it, it it stemmed from I had to know. Okay, I, this is I'm not I'm not doing this task anymore for them. No more because they're capable. Um, and as we grow, and you started asking me about leading and serving people in a higher number and the more that's happened i have had to really get clear on what's my task and what's someone else's and i notice that stress is added when i do the other person's task i'm not from, equipped for that. from a congregation standpoint do you ever have and you can all we can edit this out also <laughs> Do you ever have, because I am a coach and a leader, and there are some people that lean into me more that I could say, like, we we had this convers same conversation, like, two weeks ago, you know what to do, you're capable, I could say that, but I have some conversations on repeat. Do you feel like there's moments within your congregation that, as they're developing and growing, because I love even in a, in your congregation, they're taking on more tasks, they're developing in their spiritual spirituality. And so they're taking on more tasks in the church, probably and within themselves. But is there a moment that you have to like cut someone off or like, cut the cord a little bit that you're like, no, you, you've got this, you're on the right path. Do you have anyone I'm just asking this question for my own personal self because there's key people that I'm like, no, you, this is the same conversation we already had. You've got this, you know, mm -hmm. this, but it's hard to cut that cord. Uh, yes. Especially depending on how, how you are in your temperament. The answer to your question is more, more people than I can remember. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've had those experiences with and not cutting them off relationally that's been very few and far between i have had the unfortunate um 
need to set very clear boundaries for toxic personalities um, yes. because it's just not healthy. Um, but to empower people is really, really beneficial for everyone involved. And sometimes people don't do that, as I alluded to before, because people in my role, in leader roles, servant leadership roles, whatever, they get a high off of being needed. Yes. And they won't cut that cord because they their number one need is to be needed. And if I need to be needed, I'm the center of the thing. And it's not about them. It's not about what's beneficial to them, to the, to the parent child relationship, you know, my, uh, what do they need? It's my job to serve them and help them do that. It's not my, it's not their job to fulfill me emotionally. Um, I don't, I shouldn't elevate my need to be needed above their need to grow and develop. Right. And so that for me is a very, a very key point. Um, my wife, well, I'll pause there and let you guys ask or say whatever you want to say. No, I think that's good. Cause I do think there's a little bit, this is good for me because I think there's a little bit of me that feeling needed feels loved, respected. Like they, they feel like they need to come to me for the answer. And that makes, that fills me in some way. So I, I need to hear that too. So not to branch too far from this, but I think it goes back to some of the things you're saying. I think that, um, holidays sometimes can be you mentioned like holidays there's a lot of grief connected sometimes in ways and people miss some people sometimes people are lonely and I feel like even for myself I joke around I joke around about it but it's serious that like I felt like for like six years I I hated Christmas I'm just being honest but mm -hmm. I was alone I was divorced so I felt bad about myself that I was divorced um my family wasn't like connecting in a huge way. And so my kids were like, I wanted my kids to go to their grand, their, my ex's grandparents, because that's where something was going on. So that left me at home by myself. And I'd have friends say like, come over for the holidays. But then I felt like, though, that's intruding. So I would just be at home. And I joke around that like Jeff starts playing Christmas music, like October 1st. And it looks like Christmas threw up all over everywhere. And we, you know, like we're, he's a big church goer and so it's like everything is on steroids at October 1st on and so I'm like God did this on purpose because I hated Christmas and now they're like you will love Christmas every day and I do the Christmas is back the joy is back for me family relationships can be tricky and it is a time that people connect so there's grief there's loneliness but there's also these moments that you're going into family things that maybe you haven't been in in a long time and that's important to you, but it also can be tricky for people. Like what is your advice for people during that holiday season who might have tricky connections or relationships out there and they're thrown into the midst of those circumstances just because it is the holiday season and people are around each other more during the holidays? Or do you have, do you have advice around that? It, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of the idea that you have to create boundaries for every situation, the the positive relationships and certainly the toxic ones. Yeah, um, the the toxic ones, you know, I I just have a low tolerance for those type of environments, and I just won't be in them. Yeah, um, I don't have to be there. So I'm not there. I'm not going to give, I'm not going to do the, I'm not going to do the obligatory Christmas trail to all the people that speak poorly about me when I'm not present. I'm not playing that game. Like, you know what I mean? Not, yeah. There's not a whole long list of people, but like those family, those family dynamics can be really, really tricky. And the social expectations um, that we have, on us and on each other i think it really is as simple as dare to do the events and the things that you want to do and not to do the ones you don't because life is too short for obligatory things i love this i think it's i'm a 
horrible boundary person in all aspects of life. Um, like every review I've ever had is you need to create better boundaries because I respond at all times. I show up at all times. How do you, that's just self-love, I guess, right? Like that's respecting your time, your space, your energy, but also the people that do pour into you and fill your bucket and, and you have that amazing connection with, you don't want to, I don't want to say waste time, but put energy and time and efforts into places where you're not given, you want to put it into the places, the people that deserve it from you. Yeah, I would probably say that a little, I would, I would partly agree with that and, and say it a little bit differently in that these times, the important times of the year are meant for the people that are most important to us. And it's interesting that we'll take this limited holiday season and we, we will cram in all of the people that we haven't seen over the last 11 months and make them a priority when they really weren't a priority for us and they weren't a priority to us and we weren't a priority to them except for this seven-day stretch. Yeah. And that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me to – to do it that way when it's avoidable. Now, if people are coming together and you know they live far away and that sort of thing, but it's like, who says just because it's December 25th, I have to prioritize someone that's 18 people removed from me. Right. I think add that to us and we're afraid of, you know, someone's response or I've been through all of those things and we've just made that determination that we're in the environments, especially in these special times that we want to be in and yeah. we choose that, and we choose those people. Um, we choose the people that have prioritized us and that we want to prioritize. That might sound harsh. I hope it doesn't. I hope it, I hope it, I hope it comes. I hope people are hearing that out of a healthy place. Yeah. You know, but, I love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, there's so many things. I mean, the lessons that I always, you are not only someone that um, our listeners love, but I, there's a few people that a few of our podcasts that I listen to a, a few times and um, yours are always certainly one of those because I, there's always like nuggets that I'm just like, and as well as when I follow your social and your book. I'd love for you to mention your book, Josh, because okay. um, it's an incredible gift as well, I think. Um, and I know some of our listeners purchased the book as well. And the fact that you're you're growing in your speaking places, I think that's a credible shout out too. So you should mention that as well too, because I know that that's something that you're giving back. I think of that as a give back, like you have um, a gift and you're giving in that way. So I'd love for you to mention your book and the fact that you're speaking. So um, I, I, I released the book last year. And in terms of uh, like where it fits in terms of like genre or space, I think it would be not just because I wrote it, but because of the time of the year it is, it is me processing the loss of my mom. And it's called When the Heavens Seem Closed. And it's all about navigating what I would call dry seasons of life, dark seasons. And grief is certainly one of those. And I know there are a lot of listeners that they identify with not looking forward to this season because of loss that they've experienced. And I really wrote it so that people could say to themselves, it's okay to feel what I'm feeling and to give the, the reader hope. I I did quite a lot of research on the length of the book and their statistics are always changing, but there's a super high percentage of books that are started, but never finished. And I didn't want this to be that. So I purposely condensed it, made it very easy to read. And I think a, a listener could read through it in one setting and put yeah. it down and be like, okay, this helped me in this area. And then as life changes, you could go back to it and say, okay, now I'm looking at it through a different lens and this part helps. Um, so I would be honored if, if that, if that was a tool, a resource that people would, would get, it's on Amazon. It's, it's, um, there's a link on my Instagram. It's a digital and physical copy, um, that's available. 
I have a question for you, but mommy, this mommy. this is a good example. What is it? You have to support it's editing, a... not just... It's not working? Mm. Okay, here, go. <laughs> okay, so this is around my question. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a two-parter. So how do we deal with the S-A-N-T-A? And then... <laughs> it, the, the idea that this season is all about getting. Mm-hmm. Because I want to... <sighs> I want to expose her to the giving part without, you know, going to downtown LA and going to a soup kitchen because it's so, it's, it's like too much. It's like too much for somebody like me, you know, like, yeah, yeah. um, to, to really see the, the reality of homelessness in my yeah. city. It's, it's Brutal. too much for a four year old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there's so much mental health. I don't know if I want to expose her to that, but I do want to, show her that it's not just about giving and me giving to her. Um, and then separately the S A N T A thing. Um, it is, it's a lot of lying. It's a lot of lying. So like the getting and the lying and like the elf on the shelf and they're watching you so you can be good. And it's like a thing that parents do to keep their kids in line. Like I'm not like really on board with any of this now that I think about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I don't know how to deal with it because it's it's like it's like in our culture everywhere. Mm hmm. I don't know. What do you what do you think about all that? Yeah, you 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 you've you've just set down a landmine, showed me where it is, and asked me to step on it. And I, and I... <laughs> That's so, why I spelled so I, it. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. So I will. I will. I will. I will. Step okay. On it. Okay. Okay. Every every person listening has to come to their own place of that. My wife and I are where you are. We're where you are on the on the lying bit, like. Yeah we have a high emphasis on telling the truth. And if it causes us to feel like we have to lie, we don't, we don't feel comfortable with that. Okay. Okay. Um, the other thing was I got tired of some imaginary, uh, how should I say that? I got tired of S A N T A getting credit for what I was freaking doing. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm working, I'm spending money. Right. Like, this, is, this is crazy. Like it's bananas. It's, it's crazy. So we we took the we took the we took the route of the historical idea, um, and telling them about Saint Nicholas and walking them through that journey. Okay. Telling them what other people think and believe, so as to not ruin the magic of it for um, friends and classmates. You know, because I certainly wouldn't want what happened to someone. So someone who 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 has been a part of our church for years when their child learned about you know the reality of it they announced it to the whole kindergarten classroom <laughs> oh shoot so, so the parents got called for that so that's like all tightrope stuff right um but i would just say if you don't want if you feel that it's lying and you don't want to do that then don't do it and um there's still magic in it right like it's it's still a magical time and it can be around the thing that it's supposed to be and for me and, and I, I and I respect all the listeners, and I, I'm not asked here to be preachy, but for me, it, it is a place of faith, and so I'm celebrating the birth of Jesus, and so we keep that main thing, the main thing, in our home, and um, and how that that He is a gift to us and to the world, and so we celebrate that. In terms of showing and making it about not getting. I think there's lots of creative things um, that you that you can do and not have to expose children to something that is overwhelming to adults. You know, um, it, it may it may there are all kinds of organizations that can be partnered with. We talk about our generosity. We've talked about our generosity with our kids and told them what we're doing. Um one year when they were small, they went through their through their toys and the well-cared-for ones. They picked however many they wanted and said, hey, listen, we're going to give these to some people who aren't as blessed as we are or don't have what we have. And we were able to do that. And it was so, it was so amazing. And this doesn't have to be one time a year. Like 
for as long as I can remember, my wife and I were taking things that were well cared for and giving them to people all year long because generosity isn't just something we talk about for us, me personally, it's how I live. Like, I think by establishing that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive and living out of that, it never becomes about getting because they've had a model of give, 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 give is first. And whatever we receive is secondary. And I've taught our kids and our and, and people that are around me, it's not just for kids, it's for everyone. I think it's just a really healthy attitude is um, expect nothing and be grateful for everything. When it comes to people have zero expectations. And if anything good happens through the relationship, then be grateful for that. Um, now there are layers to that. And there's a lot more complexity when you're talking about marriage and kids and so on and so forth. But like to just say, Hey, wait a minute, no one owes me anything. And if someone does something for me, I'm over the moon excited. It goes back to the gratitude. I don't know if that, I don't know if that addresses it, but that's my, no, I really do think that that is a really great tool. Like, so instead of like exposing her to like homelessness or something like that, I think I am going to talk to her about, um, gathering toys that she doesn't play with anymore. And, and I think maybe the work is just me finding, um, a good situation of how to, to do the giving because like just dropping it off at Goodwill and getting a receipt, yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. We found people that we had relationships with right. and that part. So you, you, you have to manage that in terms of, you know, so that it's done re in a respectful way. You wouldn't want anyone to feel shame or embarrassment or anything of that nature. So we were very strategic and very intentional about how we did that, but they were, they were people we had relationships with. And it was interesting because our kids evolved to the point where it started with what we talked about and what they didn't use anymore. And then it evolved into our kids giving things away that they were actively using then because someone else would benefit from it because they just really got it. They just really understood. And you will get in life, especially as parenting, you will get whatever you celebrate. And we celebrated generosity. And that's what we got. If you, okay. if you want it, then celebrate it. I love this. And listen, I'm going to put like just a little tad of humor on it, which it's not humorous, yeah. but so this was my oldest. And again, this is something, so we do, we clean out like the toy room, clean out their rooms at Christmas time. It's one of the things like we, that's part of the, like we take things and give it away at Christmas time. But the first year we did it, this was a long time ago. Cameron was little and I went through the whole thing with Cameron and Kenzie, like how other people don't have as much and whatever. Anyway, they were in their rooms cleaning. They were supposed to find things. And I came in and Cameron had a GI Joe man. That's all like just on his bed. There was a GI Joe man. And I was like, it's not exactly what I was intended, but it was just so funny. But I love that concept of giving back and I want to say something about, about what, what was done there. Um, I think this is worthy a worthwhile bit for a listener to write down. And that is, if you don't start where you are, you stay where you are. And so the giving thing is usually something small. But if you don't start at that moment, you'll never get to the whatever you think is significant. And for the, for the listener who maybe... Um, that is a challenging time. Everything isn't about having resources, or lots of them in order to be, and it isn't only rich people or people with means that are empowered to be generous. Everyone can. Um, it may be taking those ingredients that you have in the cupboard and making with your kids a batch of chocolate chip cookies and bringing it to the elderly neighbor that's in your apartment complex. And your kid's going with you to give that to them. And that's not necessarily a poor individual, but just another human that you want to give something to with no strings attached whatsoever. And 
if I've noticed this, that when people get addicted to giving, they'll find a way to support the habit. They just will. And yeah. I think it's, I think it's awesome. I want to say something that's maybe a little disconnected. Um, but I want to say this before we have to go. My wife was ta talking about giving nature. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what percentage of your listeners are, uh, men, women. I don't know all those demographics, right? But I would like for all of the ladies, especially who are listening to hear this, that ladies, women make so many sacrifices and change so much that men don't understand how much they change and, how, and they sacrifice. My wife helped me see this. She go like her changes are massive, right? Like from being single to being married, to being not pregnant, to being pregnant, then to being after pregnant, then to doing the infant care, and then that ends, and then it's the toddler care, and then it's the taking kids to school and picking kids up. There's like so many changes that I was just like, whoa, I never really realized how giving and generous my wife has been in navigating changes that I didn't know she was navigating. And so I just want to like celebrate all of the individuals that are listening, especially the ladies who are sacrificing and giving through change. And it's gone unrecognized and unnoticed. Like it matters. And if no one's told you, thank you for going through those sacrificial changes, I want to say thank you because it's a massive deal that the world benefits from, but nobody's really talking about. I really appreciate that because I feel it all the time. Like I, I feel like, um, well, my partner, he works so hard. He works like six, seven days a week, yeah. but he was doing that before she came. Yes. And, and it doesn't take away from his work ethic and his sacrifice that I, you know, my whole career had to change. Yeah. And I feel like, um, I, that, that resonates with me. It must resonate with every single person who's gone through that same transition. As we're transitioning now, this one. And I, and I was, <laughs> Carrie, Carrie, I was clueless about it. And my wife just came out with it and she said, I have changed and had to change so much more than you've ever had to. And I was like slightly offended or maybe moderately offended that she would even suggest such a thing. And then she starts lining out all of the ways in which she changed. And when you said that about your partner, I was like, yeah, I worked before kids. I worked during kids and I'm working at the same job after kids. Nothing vocationally changed for me. And her whole life was upended. And so I'm using that as an illustration just to show gratitude, but also to say, examine the ways in which you're giving that aren't as obvious mm. and celebrate those because those are, I mean, those are huge, meaningful gifts. They really are. And um, it's, it's just my attempt to get beyond the tangible material gift and go to that emotional gift and unmeasurable gift that lots of people give. Yeah, I'm going to be thinking about this a lot because with her asking for Christmas gifts and she's she's doing what every kid does. I'm like, we have to, I have to balance this because it just feels like yeah. if I don't expose her to really that other side, she's not going to get exposed to it because certainly the world doesn't that much. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um Josh, uh to close out today because I think maybe our listeners are <laughs> they're getting a little spoiled with you giving them Christmas blessings at Christmas, but I think let's do it again. Like if you could, well, if you could give our listeners a Christmas blessing, um, Kelly and I would appreciate it so much. I'm honored. I actually, um, I actually took the time to write something out. Oh, and so it. I'd like to read it and then I'm happy to send it to you and you could make it available however you want. If 
if they want to have this um, as a gift, something to remind them. It's oh, I love this. Okay. Kind of like an affirmation through reflection. And so um, if it's okay, I'll just read it the way oh, I wrote it. I, I would love, I would love it. Okay. Reflecting on the year 2023, I choose to embrace a heart full of gratitude for all the experiences that have come my way. For every joy and success, I'm deeply thankful. And they have brought light and happiness into my world, enriching it with unforgettable moments and achievements. These experiences serve as a testament to my strengths and the love that surrounds me. Equally, I express gratitude for the challenges and the setbacks. Though difficult, they have been invaluable teachers, offering lessons in resilience, patience, and personal development. Each obstacle has been a stepping stone shaping me into more to a more empathetic, understanding, and strong individual. I acknowledge that both the good and bad experiences are essential parts of my journey. They have woven together to form the rich tapestry of my life in 2023, contributing to this current version of who I am today. This tapestry is not just mine, but is shared with those who have supported me, taught me, mentored me, and grown alongside of me. So it's with a heart full of gratitude, I look forward to the future, carrying with me the wisdom gained and the memories cherished from this year. I'm ready to embrace whatever comes next, knowing that each experience, whether joyful or challenging, is a gift that contributes contributes to my ongoing journey of growth and fulfillment. Here's to 2024. Oh my goodness. We're so lucky to have you in our lives. You're too Pastor kind. Josh. I love you guys back. I love you guys back. You're awesome. <laughs> when I ever uh, visit back home, man, I'm going to, I'm going to come visit you, but uh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And that's a clean cut for the podcast. You're awesome, dude. Thank you. You're so kind. I mean, I, I love it. Like I, um, I, I grew up as a Catholic, but I'm no longer religious, but if I had a, if I had a pastor like you, I'd, I'd probably go back just because it well, feels like it resonates. I, I love that. I'm, I'm grateful for that being your response. And, um, you know, it, it's a tough, it's a tough, challenging world we all live in. We're just humans trying to figure it out together, I think. So yeah. And you bring you know, it to reality. There's what I love is that it's not just like, Oh, here's him commune and everything's gonna be fine. You know, like it's, it's yeah. real. And it's, and yeah. it speaks to, you know, people where they stand versus like, this magical imaginary place where no one actually is. So that was a big transition for me. I used to live in that imaginary place and was um, um, the victim of what I've coined as a phrase, I think I've coined as a phrase, church brain. And it, you know, and the it, it church brain is positive in a toxic way and just thinks, okay, would you, we really treat Jesus like uh, a lucky rabbit's foot and it's not really the way life is. And um, church brain needs to be dismantled and we need to be um, reprogrammed, I suppose, unbrainwashed. <laughs> The the podcast actually probably didn't end then. It probably ended now because that okay, part right. was awesome. But okay, <laughs> whatever you want to do, you're in charge. Yeah, I think it was that last bit was one of the best. Okay, um, but Josh, thank you, and have an amazing holiday with your family. You do the same. Thank you so much, Pastor Josh, for being here with us. Uh, always have an amazing time speaking with you and um, receiving your your beautiful Christmas blessing. So we thank you. All right, my friends, this is our last pot of 2023. I can't believe 2024 is here. I always say it's like the future. I feel like all the movies were like, we even get to 2024. It was like before that. <laughs> so I think like, 
Back to the Future, we already passed their future. So we will be back at it with you guys in January. We look forward to that. And we thank you so much for being here as always. Have an amazing Christmas. Have an amazing New Year's Eve. And um, really, you know, hug your, hug your loved ones. Um, if you would honor us with a five-star rating and a review, it means so much. Uh, check out Digital Podcast. Check out the Expecting Aerialist that, that is always there um, talking about motherhood and all the things. And what would you like to say, Bean? Oh, she's here with her little stuffed animal. Can you can, can we play? Can we play? Can we play the ice cream truck? Ice cream truck. Okay, hold on a second. Um, yes, you guys, uh, we appreciate you, and we'll, we'll see you guys next year. Over and out. This is Greener Grass.